0: If you've struggled with stress, balance or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host. Carissa.
1: Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. John Demartini. John is a world-renowned specialist in human behavior, a researcher, author, and a comedian. I found out earlier (laughs) when I asked him what he wanted to be called. (laughs) and global educator, and is considered one of the world's leading authorities on human behavior, leadership, and entrepreneurialism. He has studied over 30,000 books across all the defined academic disciplines and is the founder of the Demartini Institute. He has authored more than 40 books on a wide range of topics, such as corporate and financial empowerment, self-development, relationships, social transformation, and he has also appeared on Larry King Live and regularly contributes to the Oprah magazine, which is amazing. Welcome, Dr. D Martini.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome. And I, I was reading your bio and I was wondering, what is a polymath? <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, people
0: can look it a up polymath. online. Well, it's not me. a poly It's not a polytick. That means many bloodsuckers. But <laughs> I, I, I'm 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 um, a polymath is somebody who has uh researched and written about numerous topics and many mm. different disciplines. So I've written in fields of cosmology and anthropology and physics and mathematics and many fields. So I'm I'm kind of a uh, I love learning and I love sharing. So that's what they call a polymath.
1: Mm, wonderful. Well, I, I went to your website earlier and I watched one of your videos and I I cried and I was sobbing and my husband came into the room and he's like, what's wrong?
0: I, I feel rejected already. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I cried because I was oh. so sad that I had to interview you. No, I'm just kidding. I was so <laughs> moved by your message of you have the breakthrough experience, uh, a brief little video on the De Martini Institute website. And I, I mean, one minute of uh, being in your presence and your video just so moved my heart. So you have just a powerful effect on people. Um, it's just amazing. So, how do you use your, your knowledge as a polymath to solve problems? <laughs>
0: I think I create problems.
1: You create them Um, first. Oh, that's brilliant. And then you know how to do it.
0: I create them and then I I create (laughs) a void and and then fill a value. But um, I have been, for the last 49 years, interested in anything to do with maximizing human awareness and potential. And I've had a dream to make a difference, like many people, most people. And anything that I think I might be able to contribute to, I try to research and write about, and try to find ways of efficiently, effectively um, coming up with alternative ways of solving those concerns.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: from from um, issues dealing with psychological concerns, uh, depression and grief and and loss and and um, pride and shame and uh, you know, depression, anxiety, these, these kind of things, phobias. I've I've worked at developing systems or procedures or methodologies to tackle those.
1: Mm.
0: In the business world, we've found solutions for engagement, productivity, um, hiring and selecting people, delegating. There's there's a lot of different areas we've we've worked in. I I've broken life into seven basic areas. Our mental quest for waking up our genius and and our, you know original ideas that serve human beings. Our vocational quest to make a contribution and be a service and be remunerated for it and do what we love. Uh, in our financial quest to have financial independence, our family quest to have love and intimacy, our social quest to be able to make a difference and cont- contribute, and make leadership. Our physical quest to have vitality, beauty, and well-being, and our spiritual quest for living an inspired life. So I've my mission was to empower all those areas because any areas of our life that we don't empower other people tend to overpower. Us. So I've been trying to find very specific, very reproducible, duplicatable ways to help people empower each of those areas. And I've been blessed to come up with some, some solutions that are clinically applicable that I've trained thousands of individuals on um, to assist them in utilizing that and we have that going out across the world. And so, yeah, that's what I love doing. And can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing, but so I love hearing what people are facing and then navigating through that and strategizing ways of turning whatever they think is in the way to on the way. Mm -hmm. So they're not victims of history, masters of destiny.
1: That's how you thrive, isn't it? because you can take that problem and you can really dissect it and, and figure out the root, and then help them reframe that to live an inspired life. I, that, that's amazing.
0: You know, there's a thing called a hidden order and apparent chaos. And most people live walking around in the apparent chaos <laughs> and don't know that there's really a hidden order in it. In, a, in thermodynamics, uh, an area of physics that I've been fascinated by since I was 18, there's a thing called order and disorder Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and disorder or the tendency towards disorder, which is called entropy, is the tendency to have missing information and order is the full information. For instance, if you're infatuated with somebody, you're conscious of the upside, but you're unconscious of the downside. If you're resentful to somebody, you're conscious of the downside, you're unconscious of the upside. If you love somebody, you're conscious of both sides. So you have the whole information, not the part. You're not subjectively biasing it and polarizing it. You're synthesizing it with an awareness that's mindful. Mm. And so I'm a, a firm believer in helping people ask quality questions to make the unconscious conscious so they can be fully conscious. And when they do, they're in a state of graciousness about the thing that they thought was a mistake or uh, you know some sort of problem. And they discovered that inside the problem was the solution. And it was about asking the right question to reveal it. And there is a hidden order in life. And I've been fascinated by that since I was 18, after reading Leibniz's Discourse on Metaphysics, who believed that there was some sort of a hidden perfection in the universe that if we ask the right questions, we could be humbly awakened to it. And it's awe-inspiring and graceful in, the, in, in that awareness. So I have been on that pursuit to try to find out how to do that for people and for, I mean, I'm not altruistic, you know, exactly. I'm also, I wanted that for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to find a way of doing that for myself, to exemplify that, mm, and right. to inspire people, but I also want to do it because I want to help other people, because if I don't help other people get what I want to get in life, and what they want to get in life, we don't go places, so, you know, we, we, it's the mastery of self and other, and the integration of the two, neither narcissistic or altruistic, just an integrative state of appreciation for both of those services and services.
1: Hmm. Beautiful. And how do you help people? I mean, do you work with people one-on-one or do they read your books or go to your seminars? Do, do people study under you? Do you have mentees?
0: Yeah. I've got everything, everything that is doable out there. I think I've done, okay. I've, um, you know, I've done one-on-one I've done written books. I've written thousands of articles for, I think over 1500 magazines. I've wow. I've done, uh, Television. I've done over fifty movies. I've done documentaries. I've done um, live seminars, webinars, podcasts. You know, interviews, uh, keynote speeches, mm-hmm. anything and everything. We, we even have live things in Africa and mobile uh, educational systems in rural Africa. I mean, what, whatever oh, allows
1: wonderful. A,
0: whatever allows a message to get out there that might be of service, um, I, I try to be participating in.
1: Mm. That's beautiful. You really blew my mind there, with all these different mediums that you've got yeah, any
0: anything. I mean, from uh, you know, I'm I'm uh from clubhouse to you name it, uh, the outhouse. <laughs> I'll take any of them.
1: Yeah, I've, I'm a clubhouse I've seminars, girl. <laughs>
0: I've, I've, I've I've done seminars in, in in elevators, restaurants, restrooms. You name it. Wherever two people are gathered, I come oh. and I and I and I I speak. Mm-hmm. And um, I was known to speak in restaurants. One time, <laughs> I, I love was, uh, it. I was, I was, I was talking to somebody, you know, intently, and for some reason, I guess my voice carried, and the people sitting next to us they listened in,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they, you could see them engaged in our conversation. And then all of a sudden, this other group did it, and, and all these people started engaging in this conversation. <laughs> and I thought that my rule of thumb is: anytime seven people are listening to you, stand up, make it, make, make it formal. And I took over a restaurant one time doing a presentation. And at the end, I thought that was going to be disruptive. And, you know, the manager was going to go, you know, you know, we can't have that here. He asked me back and asked if I would do it again. It was and I got an applause. I I said, okay, I never have to worry about an audience. I can always walk into a restaurant and start one.
1: Oh, amazing. I love it. I want to dive deeper into who you are. What were you like as a child?
0: (laughs) that's a good one uh i i was when i was born i had an arm turned in and a leg turned in okay and around a year year and a half i had to wear braces on my arm and leg left left side Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i also found out i had a speech impediment i had to use strings and buttons in my mouth to strengthen muscles and try to speak properly because i wasn't learning to speak properly Mm. so i had a void there and by the time I was four, when I finally got out of the braces, all I wanted to do was run because I was, I'd been constrained and people didn't want to interact with you because you're wearing Forrest Gump braces. When I got to elementary school or kindergarten class, I wanted to draw with the girls. I didn't want to draw with the boys. The teacher said, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna play with the boys, I'm not gonna let you play with the girls. You're gonna play with yourself in the middle of the room. <laughs> so, so I you still
1: have I, I was sort of, did you still have no? I'd gotten the braces I... off. Of yeah, four.
0: Four. At I got four, the braces yeah. off.
1: Right.
0: So all I was okay. doing is running. So you just put me anywhere, and I'll run. Oh yeah.
1: Because I want to prove that
0: I could. I could keep my straight legs straight to my dad. Then at first grade, I was told by my first grade teacher, you know, you know, you're you're not reading properly, and I went from normal reading to remedial reading to a dunce cap, with another guy named Daryl Dalrymple, and then uh, finally you remember she his name. That's up.
1: amazing.
0: Oh, I remember his name. I remember standing facing the window with him and w- until we decided we could read, which was not possible. So so I uh, was told by my first grade teacher I'll, that in front of my parents said, I'm afraid your son is never going to be able to read or write or communicate or you know mount anything or go very far in life, which I'm so grateful for. I wanted to thank her, but she passed on because that was oh. exactly the void I needed later on in my life. It wasn't at that time, but and i ended up dropping out of school and i was a street kid um, from 13 to 18 did you ever
1: send her did you ever send her anything like a video or a book or anything no you're just by, grateful by for the, her from afar
0: by, yeah. the, by the time he was up in age i think 70 or so when i was a kid by yeah. the time i was old enough to even think about that she had passed oh i see but i uh, but, but yeah i i had some challenges you know, mm-hmm. I've had an adventure being a street kid. There's lots of adventures. You learn a lot of things. And yeah, I learned a lot of the principles that I'm using today from the streets.
1: That's interesting. So I can't complain.
0: I, I don't feel like I was a victim of anything. I'm very right. grateful. There's nothing I need to hide or oh, don't say. I have people come in and say, don't tell people you've done that. I go, oh, that's, that's who I am. Yeah. I to hide here.
1: Right, you know? right. If
0: you're trying to get rid of half of yourself, how are you going to love yourself? You know?
1: Well, how old so were just, you when you first ended up on the streets? Uh 13. Oh, thirteen. And why did you decide yeah. to leave home?
0: Well, it was a very interesting story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I assume. I, I
0: was I was playing I was playing pool in the garage. Well, the barn that we called it uh, with my dad, and I looked at uh, the time and I said, I said I got to go because I had a friend of mine with his parents leaving for the for the weekend.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs>
0: And, and there was a party of just him and his girlfriend and me and the girlfriend that I had a crush on. And uh, we had this thing, whole plan, you know, you know how teenagers are.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And my dad said, my dad said I, I told him, I said, I'm going into town. And he said, no, you've been in town enough this week. We live 13 miles away from town. So we had to walk, ride a bike or drive a tractor or something to get there. Uh huh. And um,
1: so, so he had to take. I told him I'm going
0: to town. No, no. He said, he said, no, you, you've been out enough this week. Stay home. You have to stay home tonight. And we had a little bit of a tiff about that. And I, and I didn't want to tell him I've got a hot chick that I'm going to be kissing, you know, I, you know, because that's what you do when you're you are thirteen want to kiss. Yeah. And so I, uh, I said, I'm going into town. He goes, no, you're not going to town. And I said, but I am going to town. And I, We had a man to man talk when I was 13. And um, he said, well, if you go into town, you don't come back. Oh. He gave me a kind of, and I thought okay I guess I'm on the road now
1: (laughs) yeah now he
0: wasn't I have a I had a lovely dad he was great he was just trying to be a great dad yeah and uh, but I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to go out that night and so I decided I was going to be independent starting at that point and I learned how to survive out on the streets
1: because you felt like he really meant it so did you send them a message and tell them you're, you're gone forever? No, I
0: just, I just, I went there and then I went to a park and then I went to a bowling alley. That was an all night bowling alley. And I went to a diner and I, I started living on the streets and I, and school wasn't my thing. My dad knew that I wasn't going to make it in school because I couldn't read. Yeah. I couldn't speak properly. So mm-hmm. he, he trained from a young age to be a little entrepreneur. Oh.
1: I mean, when I was
0: nine, when I was nine, Uh, He made me pay $7 and 50 cents a week to live at the house.
1: I had to go work,
0: work in the yards and learn how to be a little entrepreneur and work with my body if I couldn't work with my mind. So he was trying to make me accountable. So by the time I was 13, he was like going, because at one time that's the age, you know, 14 to 16, you were on your own.
1: That's interesting. So
0: my, my dad was cool. There was no, there was no major. He just had a tip that night. That was my, but I took it
1: yeah and
0: where did we live yeah i I lived in in houston texas at the time okay but then i then i went to the beach freeport and i was a surfer i started surfing at nine Mm -hmm. and i i was a surfer but texas wasn't the surf capital of the world so i i went to uh, I, i decided at 14 to hitchhike to california and down into mexico and at 15 i I panhandled enough money on the beaches, and I made it over to Hawaii. It's only eighty-six bucks in those days, uh-huh. so I flew to Hawaii. I lived but under you didn't a, have a your green- own
1: business. You didn't have your own business at this time to fly to Hawaii. You're just making it.
0: No, but I knew I knew if I needed money, I could always panhandle. Okay, you know, just, got it. You know, I or do little odd jobs, and the I could clip hedges, sweep yards, oh, uh, sweep, got it, rake. I could, I could always do some. I I was resourceful. Yeah, I, I didn't see. have any problems. Yeah, I you definitely. know I I I crates and picked up you know drums or whatever. I always found a way of making enough money to feed, or 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 I knew how to panhandle and get a little money, or I knew how to you know go into diners and and eat saltine crackers and ketchup for dinner or something. <laughs> so whatever it was, yeah, I knew yeah, how to survive.
1: Amazing, yeah. So in Hawaii, what island did you go to?
0: Were you? On I went planet? to Oahu. Yeah, on Oahu. Mm-hmm. And I, I slept under the sunset Kamehameha highway bridge first. Then I went into Iakai beach park, which is pipeline. And I, I, I lived there.
1: And did you and meet other a, homeless park people band. that you, that you were friends with?
0: They didn't, we didn't call them homeless. Then we, we just called them surfers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: There were all kind of guys just living in tents. There were a lot of surfers, you know, they didn't have a lot of money. And I, um, you know, I met a lot of the big surfers. I got to surf with big wave riders. And I got to be in some movies and book and magazines. And I guess so I became a big wave rider and surfer in the North Shore until I was 17. And then I nearly wow. died right before I turned 18. And that the, the recovering from that is what led me to what I'm doing.
1: Oh, wow. That's amazing. We're, now, going to the big waves, were you ever, were you fearless of the waves? No.
0: No, I was frightened to death at some times. almost died Man,
1: <laughs> They're scary.
0: <laughs> I, I, uh, when I first went out there at, at Sunset Beach, uh, yeah, that was scared Nick. But I got used to it. You know, you get used to riding bigger and bigger waves.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you got out with people that know what they're doing.
1: Okay, and, you watch uh, them. Even and yeah.
0: though, they're, they're riding 100-foot waves. Three of my students today ride 100-foot waves today. But now I only rode 40-foot waves. That was about as big as a, you, you rode in those days, like in the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s
1: interesting but
0: now they're riding 100, 100 foot waves so um yeah you're frightened you, certainly the rip would take you out and you'd get your board smashed and you get sliced up and yeah you had lots of close calls and not uh-huh. come up for air and lots of near near close ends there close yeah
1: calls. and then you said you had a do you have a near-death experience or what happened at 17
0: i i almost died i had strychnine poisoning it with a cyanide cyanide poisoning and strychnine poisoning when I was 17.
1: From the ocean? And I
0: was surfing. Well, I was in the ocean when it really got to me. I had warnings, but I wasn't paying attention to it because I kind of looked like Joe Cocker with my spasms for a while, but then it stopped my diaphragm. My diaphragm wasn't moving. And that was a scary moment. So I was riding a very big wave when all of a sudden my diaphragm stopped and I was under, I ended up underwater. And, but luckily I got taken up and I, I got a breath, but I almost died on that. And then I was unconscious for like three and a half days. So luckily a lady found me in a tent uh, where I'd been taken. Somebody, I don't know where I passed out and somebody took me to my tent. I have no idea who it was or how I got there, but all I know is that a lady found me there and, and that lady really turned my life around, led me to a little health food store, which led me to a yoga class, which led me to meet Paul Bragg which led me to my career that I have today.
1: Oh my God. And I love Paul Bragg wow. too. I read his books, you know, the miracle of fasting. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I,
0: I was friends with Patricia for a long time. Oh, she used wonderful. to come to my classes.
1: Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. So what did, did he say something that inspired you or was it the yoga class? What kind of shifted you in your energy?
0: He, he said the night that I got to meet him, he said, um, that you have a body, you have a mind, and you have a soul. And the body must be directed by the mind, and the mind must be guided by the soul to maximize you as a human being. And that was kind of cool sounding. And then he said that, you know, you have, you know, what you say to yourself, what you feel about yourself, what you think about yourself, what you see for yourself, how you talk to yourself has an impact on your, your life. So take command of that take command, don't don't say anything or see anything, take command of those things. If you don't take command and live by design, you're going to live by duty from other people imposing their ideas on you. And that was kind of cool. Then Then he said that you want to set goals for yourself, your family, your community, your city, your state, your nation, your world and beyond for 100 to 120 years. And he just, I mean, you know, in those three statements, that's like, what? That's a completely different model of the world than what I was used to. And he he said, you know, that you want to make sure you fuel your body with real food, not just junk, you know, and, and don't live to eat, but eat to live and, and uh, you know, feed it with uh, some sunshine and fresh air and meditation and and quality foods and, and doing something you really love to do that makes a difference in the world. I mean, just common sense stuff. But I needed to hear that. I was at the right place at the right time to hear what he had to say. And, that was the night. And then he took us on a meditation and he said, whatever you decide tonight for your, that, that when you go into this meditation, whatever you decide and you see for yourself, that's going to be your destiny. I'm like, well, that's a heavy one. Wow. But it did. Wow. I, I saw a vision of me overcoming my learning problems and learning how to speak properly and becoming someday intelligent. And that was the first night in my life. I thought I could someday become intelligent. So mm-hmm. if I'm polymathic, it's because <laughs> I was told I would never be able to, read and write. So I, when I found out later on, after a pretty good struggle at first with the help of the dictionary and my mom and testing me on 30 words a day from reading a dictionary and pronouncing them and spelling them and getting the meaning, I eventually grew my vocabulary enough to be able to go back to school and pass school. And then I just never stopped. I was on a, on an absolutely relentless pursuit of what I felt was my, my master plan to travel the world and teach. So, 155 countries later, here I am, still traveling yeah. the world. In fact, I'm traveling right yeah. now on my way to Madeira from Malaga, Spain on my ship. So I'm, I'm blessed to live full-time traveling. Oh, and,
1: uh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. And do you travel with your wife or family?
0: My wife has passed away a number of years ago. I've got oh. a beautiful girlfriend who's in Istanbul right now. Uh, my children are in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. I've just communicated with them shortly before this um i'm meeting up with them when i get back closer to the states here i'm going on to from madeira to bermuda and then over into the bahama area and then they they uh, came in, came an island area and i'll catch up with them when i'm in that area oh. but i um yeah they have their own lives they're grown up now so yeah. they're in their 30s That's but amazing. they um yeah they, they but they they've traveled with me sometimes sometimes they go i don't want to travel as much as you dad you travel <laughs> more than But I think I think when you've been in places when you're a child and you felt constrained, you love the freedom of being around the world. I've I've always said the universe is my playground. The world is my home. Every country is a room in the house. Every city is a platform to share my heart and soul. And the name of the ship I live on is called The World. So I, I really believe that that's my destiny to not be constrained by any one location in space time. Just. I love looking out and seeing the the farthest horizons and have nothing restricting my view.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And I just want to go back to, do you ever think about maybe when you were a child that you just were more brilliant than the people around you could imagine. I feel like maybe you're a whole brain thinker or you, you know, because I I feel like some of the kids today may be put into like a category where maybe they can't read, but I, but I feel like maybe reading needs to be learned in a different way. Uh, What are your opinions about that and education and reading?
0: Well, I, um, I definitely had uh, a bit of a, you know, dyslexia and apraxia and, and some things that were, you know, they were true. They were they were real.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but that didn't mean I couldn't learn how to surf or play yeah. baseball. Mm-hmm. So I could, I wasn't, That wasn't not, I was it's not that I was really lacking certain types of intelligence. There's many types of intelligence, but academic intelligence wasn't on the highlight at the time.
1: Yeah,
0: and uh, but but that's I wouldn't have the journey I had if that was the case. I would have been a different journey.
1: Yeah. So
0: you know, I'm I I look back at my life and I would say anything you can't say thank you for is baggage. Anything you can say thank you for is fuel. I have nothing to look back on and go, oh, I wish I'd have done this. I'm grateful for all of it. Mm -hmm. I have the largest collection of gratitude of anybody ever met in life. You know, it's, it's massive. So, that's so amazing. I'm a firm believer in, in grateful for your life. I was born on Thanksgiving day. So I think that was part of it.
1: Oh, that's but beautiful. I,
0: I, I, I don't think that um, I really could read. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what I did, I looked at words and if I tried to rewrite them it just wasn't working. I could hear if somebody said something to me, I could mimic their, their word, their sound, but it wasn't working too well on the reading and writing well i could write nicely but i couldn't write with meaning it's strange Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it just didn't make any sense but i realized that that has a lot to do with subordination to outer authorities and pleasing people because i've taken people now with dyslexia and blown people's minds what we can do with it and so i'm not i was wondering about that i
1: I was wondering about yeah because
0: my my signs of dyslexia are almost zero today yeah. And, and it's really interesting yeah. too but that's a slow process and i finally navigated through and figured out what was going down and what how to develop that area neuroplastically with the brain
1: mm-hmm. so
0: i don't really think that that's has to be a permanent thing it just yeah. is a it's just a starting point and it may be perfect yeah <laughs> you know when i had a boy come to me one time and uh whoever got a hold of his brain was just really uh interesting they were saying you know he's dyslexia and and he's this and he's he's maybe he's a little less bright and you know they, they put all the labels on
1: old? Yeah, how old? Uh,
0: he was around he was about 7 going on 8. Yes. So he was eight. just starting okay. to do it and they put all the labels okay. on Similar yeah. to my age, I was about a year younger. And uh, he was buying all the labels and all his authorities and specialists and teachers and parents they all believe this label. And they all had this idea, you know, they're concerned and, they're, and all that stuff. And the and somebody asked me and paid for a console for this kid with me because they knew my story yeah I said just talk to John just just have your son talk to John yeah I love it and so the first thing I did is I said can you can you learn do you know how to get on the internet he goes sure um, great I want you to do me a favor pull up your internet great now I want you to look up famous celebrities that were dyslexic oh beautiful we found about 700. Oh, yeah, there's a list. okay. and I said, I just want to let you know that no matter what anybody has told you in your life, you're in that category. You're a very special individual. You're in the category of Richard Branson, one of the greatest business people. Right. And all these names, I started rattling off these names and and many of them he knew as a kid, you know, and uh, it was really quite. I said, don't let anybody tell you you're not a genius. Just know that you're in that category right there. And so so just know that everybody's going to throw their ideas on you. Everybody's going to show you love through their value systems and their beliefs and their limitations and their paradigms and their traditions and conventions and their, 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 their own limitations. And all that imposed on you has nothing to do with your destiny, unless you make it. So just know that you have the capacity to do extraordinary things with exactly the way you are. And here's a proof of it by looking at people. So you keep that list in front of you, and just know you're in that category and give yourself permission to do something extraordinary. What you really dream about doing, not what everybody tells you you need to be doing what you really dream about doing. And the guy gave little boy, gave me a hug. and He goes, thank you, sir. I really <laughs> needed to hear that. And I said, I said, well, I'm talking to me when I was seven. So just don't, I'm just projecting my stuff onto you, kids. So just, just take it for what it's worth. But I would say that that's probably a wiser Something to listen to than half the stories and the labels you're gonna get. So just know that you you have a genius inside you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Changed his life. Changed his life. That's Parents incredible. wrote me. Yeah. The parents wrote me a letter like, wow, I wish we'd listened in on it. He told us all about it. He was all inspired. And I said, I sent the list. I made him show the parents the list. And they kept that list in front of him. And anytime he found out somebody else that did extraordinary things with it, he put it on the list and he says, I'm going to be in this category. I'm going to make a difference in the world. That's the difference. make.
1: That's amazing. For those of you who can't see video, I'm totally crying right now because I have a nine-year-old son and, you know, and it's like, if anyone was to inspire them, you know, especially someone like you, it's just like. It is. It's going to change his life. It's incredible. So
0: I got to share a story then. I got to share <laughs> another story. Per me. I'm, I'm in Brisbane, Australia. I don't know how many Brizzy. years ago, They years call
1: years ago. it Brizzy in Aussie.
0: Brizzy, <laughs> Brizzy, 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 Aussie. And uh, beautiful city. And I'm doing a presentation in the evening, and a gentleman drove four hours to come to it with his son. And he came to me at the end of my talk and he just kind of waited around. And there were a lot of people, you know, sign books and, you know, pictures and stuff. And all of a sudden this, this man, he says, Dr. Martini, I have my son here. And um, and he pulls out three letters from three schools that that said that he's not able to stay in that school. He's kicked out of the school because he's just not in the category to do it. And I, and I looked at the, the father was said, well, what do I do with a son that's been literally released from three schools? You know, he's just not interested in the class He won't participate. He's not engaged. anything else. I said, every child has a love, a spontaneous love, and they love to learn. They love to learn what's important to them. There's no such thing as a child that doesn't want to learn. A child wants to learn. They just want to learn what's important to him. So what is important to you? And I turned to the boy. and said, what do you absolutely love to do? What do you do spontaneously? What do you love learning on every single day? He said, cars. And I said, I'm going to ask you 13 questions. If I was to go to your, your room and your, your private little room, and I would, would I see pictures of cars, models of cars, uh, some sort of cars represent The father said, yeah, that's all he's got. He's got pictures and posters of cars. He's got models of cars. He's got magazines of cars. He's got cars everywhere. I said, great. And do you spend most of your time focusing, dwelling and thinking and focusing and reading about and studying and looking at cars? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, and the thing that energizes you most is actually knowing and knowing exactly what cars are and what how they're made and what they are and everything else. He goes, yep. Yeah. And the father says, yeah, that's the problem. All he wants to do is focus on cars. He doesn't want to pay attention to his school. I said, stop. Yeah. What else yeah. do you, when you get money from any doing chores or whatever, do you go out and buy things about cars? He goes, that's all I do. He says, yeah, he's got car models and car magazines and everything goes to cars. And I said, and, and the thing you have the most, is it all organized and is it structured and there's a lot of order to your cars? He goes, yeah, I know exactly where the cars are, what cars, what year it is, everything. I said, "And are you disciplined to do that? You do that every single day? Yep. And you think about cars, visualize cars and talk about cars to yourself about most? He goes, yep. I said, do when you get with your friends, is that what you want to talk about? He said, they're not my friends unless they talk about cars. I said, great. And is that what inspires you? He goes, yes. I said, is that what you dream about? Is that what the goals you have is something to do with cars? He goes, yes. I said, and that's all you want to study and read and learn about He goes, yes. And you know everything and have a photographic memory about cars? He goes, yep. But I'm not interested in those stuff. Cause I already know what I want to do. I turned to the father. I said, take him to the most powerful car dealership right now, even though he's underage, and get him a job there. And I'll be willing to bet in three years, he'll have, Probably the fastest growing sales process within five years, he'll be a multimillionaire owning a car dealership. The kids like going like this. Yes. (laughs) Hug me on the spot.
1: Okay, now how father said.
0: Oh, this is a this is a young boy. This is like eight, nine years old, nine years old. No, 14. Oh Oh, no, 14. Okay, 14. 14. Yeah. 14. I'm thinking of the other kid. 14. So he's like, you know, forgetting school. The father did it. He did it. Yes. Let him out of school. He let him out of school. He authorized it for homeschool. He called it homeschool. I love it. And he got a deal where he got to work at a car dealership. The kid just absolutely loved it. He he was only starting out, you know, sweeping and cleaning and everything else. Yeah. Within yeah. days, he's already selling cars, just like I predicted. No way. So he, he, and when, when people come in and, the, and a little 14-year-old kid comes up to you and tells you everything about the car the upholstery, everything he's he's yeah, learned yeah. everything. He knows everything. everything. Yeah, you know the the car dealer guys. You know they're like going, go for it, kid. <laughs> that's exactly what he did. That kid changed his life because instead of being put into a drone box about how you're supposed to be by the convention of the authority of the the of mediocrity, he gave himself permission to do what is truly inspirational to him, his calling in life, and that's where he excelled, and that's what. he didn't have a learning problem. He had a highly concentrated value system. He was highly focused on what he really wanted to do. He knew what it was, but the world wasn't recognizing it because it wasn't allowing him to fit into the box what you're supposed to be by the average. You're making drones out of people instead of allowing them to be geniuses. Mm. And I, I thought that was amazing. But the father had enough courage, but he needed three notes. That was the perfection of it. He needed three notes from schools or he would have forced him to go back right. to school. And, you know, he yeah. needed three of them. Yeah. Strike one, strike two, strike two. <laughs> okay, you're out of school. Well, The it's like didn't want to go to school.
1: Yeah, I mean, society too, I mean. So it's like he already had the evidence and the universe was conspiring for this kid's good, you know, for his highest and best good.
0: Absolutely, and, and, and his room showed it. I mean, I, when yeah. I walk in and I see, I had a, this girl that was doing the same thing in school and it was everything to do with horses. Okay. She was a barrel racer. She was a racer. She was an expert in horses and they were worried about her doing, you know, the normal stuff. She was already, she already had her plans on how she was going to own her own ranch and be friggin' wealthy doing it and how she's going to deal with horses to like that. She was was already on her way. And this, this is the difference. Some people know at a young age and they want to get on with it. I knew a, a little kid when he was, uh, four or three to four he knew he wanted to be a brain surgeon by the time he was wow. 13 he was already in the theaters he'd read every book on brain surgery he'd already worked with brain surgeons by 13 He already knew it
1: that's incredible and we don't give
0: people permission to do that we make them fit into average
1: mm-hmm. that's amazing that's amazing I love that When did you become an entrepreneur?
0: do you remember at really nine and nine, oh, is at when nine. I finally got Okay. My-
1: yeah. Okay. Got it. My got dad, it. Said, yeah, because your dad,
0: I said, dad, I want to sure. buy, I, I want to buy a baseball and a glove <laughs> and, a, and a bat. And he says, okay, have you mowed the yard? Yeah. Have you swept the sidewalk? Yeah. Have you cleaned the garage? Yeah. Have you tightened down the shales? Have you done the hedges? Have you you know, cleaned your room? Have you shined my shoes? Have you done everything? This, the, the weeds, yeah. the flower beds, everything yeah. else? Yeah. He says, son, I don't Everything else needs to be done. You need to go to the neighbor's go to the neighbors and walk one door to door and ask them if there's anything you can do to be a service to them in their yard or their garage or anything that can be a service to them. And I did. And I made money and I had to pay him a portion of it because I used his equipment.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> he leased it out to you. Oh, that's great. And then what about being yeah. an author? What was your first book and what inspired you to write? First
0: it? book at age 23. The very first book I ever wrote was on the lymphatic system. Boy, that's a big seller. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested oh, in the yeah. lymphatic system because yeah. of its, its effect on the immune system and detoxing because I had the strychnine yeah. poisoning, and I the see. lymphatic system and the white blood cells and the liver. And I was interested in that. And I wrote this book just for me. I want to know the system because I figured the best way to learn something is to write it, write yeah. about it. So that was the first one, and I never sold that. But then I wrote another one on acupuncture because I was interested in ac- Chinese acupuncture. Then I started writing another one on just health and, uh, and the modern guidelines to toward health.
1: You never went to school for
0: acupuncture? No, no. no. I had already started. No, I went back to school starting at age 18.
1: Yeah, yeah. So but by I the time mean, I was 20. For acupuncture? No,
0: I just stayed under an acupuncturist, one of the oh, greatest cool. Chinese acupuncturists. that oh, came over amazing. with Nixon in Houston. And I studied with this seventy-eight-year-old woman who is an acupuncturist.
1: Amazing! So I was interested. That's incredible.
0: So I just, I, whatever I was interested, I studied.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And what's your favorite book that you've written?
0: Well, I'm, I'm just finishing one right now that just got sent off last night.
1: Oh, that's congrats! A 1200
0: page, yeah, twelve hundred-page textbook on. Uh, it's called uh, a deep exploration into the mysteries. The wisdom of the ages of the great minds and it's it's called philosophers of wisdom it's it's hundreds of the great philosophers and thinkers and i've summarized some of their biographies and a lot of their teachings because i've filled my mind with the with the greatest ideas from the greatest minds for the last 49 years the best i can
1: oh wow! so i just
0: I put that text together just finish yeah. that one up
1: oh that sounds incredible I would love to read that. So tell me about your workshop, The Breakthrough Experience. What does the audience um, feel? after Oh, that's, going
0: that's 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 my favorite. I've done it 1,134 times. I start one in the morning. And uh, in London, oh, No, and this one's in the States. Um, I love it. It's it's my way of doing what Paul Bragg did for me to as many people as I can. We've taken hundreds of thousands of people through it.
1: Oh, wow. And, um, and you do it just, in a, person? I've done it
0: in six countries. I do this one well. Now it's by Zoom. Okay, for now for many years it was by live. I've oh, done it in sixty-six wow. countries. Now, now with Zoom, we've been in every country. But uh, yeah, I just love it. It's it's basically on how to master your life, how okay. to take command of your life. You know how to how to empower each of those seven areas that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and uh, how to use how to identify what you really, 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 really value, like that boy, and how to structure your life and navigate through experiences so you can fulfill what that is, that calling and, and how to see everything on the way, not in the way, and how you be grateful for life and, and how to empower it. Cause I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can create original ideas that serve the world. You can create a, a global business. If you want, you can create financial independence. You can create a, a relationship that's global, whatever you want. I mean, you you can design this thing. Most people don't design their lives, but I'm a firm believer you can. And I'm living it. So I know it's doable. And I, I show people how to empower that and make a difference and metric it to, to, to make sure you're on track with it and, and, and all the tools on that. So it's, a, it's two solid days, 24 hours uh, exploring how to master your life.
1: Mm.
0: And, and, it's, and it's, not a, it's not a rah-rah session. It's a, it's a work. You know, we, we go to work. It's not for everybody. It's not for just anybody that just wants to stop in and think, oh, you know, I've got, I'm a little victim of something. I think I need a, a quick fix it's a, it's it's a strategy on how to master your life and live your life to the absolute maximum and and so that's what it's about
1: what well, and what does the audience get out of it or what do some of your audiences say after
0: um well i had a 6 year old girl who attended it in melbourne australia you could go uh-huh. online and see her She's there. her name is misha solaria
1: uh-huh. at
0: 6 she came at seven, she wrote, published her first book. At nine, her second, 12, her third book. She's a professional speaker. She's the deputy <laughs> mayor of, of Melbourne, Australia at 12. Um, she went on to do you know, pretty amazing stuff. She's a professional speaker today and writer today and uh, helps children in education and helps uh, the government help solve young people's problems. So that's that's somebody there. Another girl that was nine ended up signing a deal with Disney at 14, a couple million dollars, with Disney wow. because she decided wow. she wanted to be involved in acting and singing and uh, choreography. Um, so yeah. And I've got people that are 94 coming and then That's deciding amazing. what they're going to do. You know, they're, they're thinking I've had five husbands, you know, do I do a <laughs> six one? Do I do for, go for seven? You know, what, what, what's next on my agenda? It. Yeah.
1: You know,
0: I've got celebrities in there. I've got people that are sports. Um, uh, I've, Athlete. entrepreneurs mm-hmm. there's people that are every spectrum from people starting out on their journey to people that are very advanced in their journey that they come and just hang out and and just get reminded of the basic principles of mastering a life or to get started on the journey of it that's Maybe, i don't know of anybody that can't benefit from it. but most of the people most of them are teenagers and up most of them are probably the average age is 25 to 50 that's most of them and um but there's all different ages, all different shapes and sizes that come. And it's just some people come there, you want to clear some baggage. Some people want to get clear on their dreams or objectives. Some people want to build wealth for the first time in their life. Some want to make a social contribution. Some want to be inspired by their life. I don't know what it's going to be. Whatever it is, we do what we can to help them go to the next level and expand the seven areas of life.
1: That's amazing. Do you have an inspiring quote or a message, a final message for our
0: audience? Okay, sure. Uh, no matter what you've done or not done, you're worthy of love. So don't sit there and harp on your own delusions about yourself and just appreciate the magnificence of who you are. Um, give yourself permission to shine, not shrink, to do something amazing because and extraordinary, because the true you is extraordinary. And the magnificence of who you truly are is far greater than any fantasies you'll ever impose on you that you inject from outside authorities about how you should be. Don't live by shoulds and got tos and have tos and musts and need tos and imperatives from outside, let the voice and the vision on the inside, be louder than all opinions on the outside. And you'll start mastering your life and give yourself permission to to do what it is you really inside know that you want to contribute to. Be willing to work for it. If it's really something meaningful, you won't come up with excuses, you'll come up with actions and opportunities and just know that little baby steps make big dreams. Piggy banks become biggy banks, do little baby action steps every single day that's prior. You fill your day with high-priority actions that inspire you. Your life doesn't fill up with low-priority distractions. It don't. So mm-hmm. there's just a few.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Powerful. It's been such a pleasure connecting with you, getting to know you. And I'll put your website and information in the show notes for my podcast so people can register for the Breakthrough Experience and buy your books. So thanks so much, Dr. Martini.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, one last thing. If they go to the website, drdemartini.com, have them go to the value determination process because that 30-minute exercise on there is very, very powerful. Take the time to go to the value determination, pro- Demartini value determination process. It's free, it's yeah. complimentary, it's private, but mm-hmm. it is life-changing.
1: Okay, have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Zen Success. I would love to get your feedback at zensuccesspodcast.com on what topics you'd be most interested in and what Zen Success is to you. Thanks for listening.